Reading from the 10th chapter of Hebrews in the 35th verse, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them that draw back into perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. And so that's how I feel this morning. I feel glad that I'm sanctified as we sing in that song. And I feel glad that we are not of those who draw back into perdition. Perdition means into a sinful, iniquitous lifestyle. But we are those that believe to the saving of the soul. And I feel that you feel that way this morning as well. We are committed. We are determined. We are persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor debt, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of Christ. I say praise the Lord for the commitment of the saints. And I am determined, the song says, to hold out to the end. Jesus goes with me, and on Him I can depend. And I know I have salvation. For I feel it in my soul, and I am determined to hold out to the end. Praise the Lord. Well, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about commitment. I want to talk about not being a quitter. Yeah. <clears throat> I want to read you some songs. <clears throat> I'm too near home of my Lord. To miss sweet heaven's reward. I am not returning to sin. I have made my vow. There is nothing to go back to. Oh, praise God. Heaven's in view. I'm too near my heavenly home to turn back now. And there are so many songs that we sing over and over. And I had them turned down, but they all disappeared somehow. I am determined to hold out to the end. I, uh... I thought of this, I sang this song this week. Without him, I could do nothing. And without him, I'd surely fail. Without him, I would be drifting like a ship without a sail. Without him, I'd be dying. Without him, I'd be enslaved. Without him, I would be hopeless. But with Jesus, thank God, I'm saved. And I've too found a song I don't think I've ever heard, Sister Kelly. Uh, it's number 545 but the words this, uh, to this are beautiful <clears throat> if I walk in the pathway of duty if I work till the close of the day I shall see the great king in his beauty when I've gone the last mile of the way <clears throat> if, I, if here I have earnestly striven and have tried all his will to obey, twill enhance the sweet rapture of heaven when I get to the when I've gone the last mile of the way. Well, folks, we've got a charge this morning to go to the end of the way. That's right. 
we've got a charge to make it all the way to the end. And I want to read that my main scripture this morning is found in the 24th chapter of St. Matthew. And as Jesus sat down upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Now, these disciples, Jesus had sat down with them to begin to talk to them about the future and what was to come to pass and all the things that would befall him and them and others that believed on Jesus' name. And they were rightly fearful. They were confused. They did not know what the future would hold. And so they said, what's going to happen? What do we need to be looking for? What do we need to be focused on? What do we need to be careful of? And this is a right question. We need to ask the Lord for direction. We need to ask the Lord what we should do in times of trouble. We need to go to the Lord for direction when we don't have the answer. We need to trust him when we don't know what the end should be, when we don't know what the end is going to bring. But let me tell you something. Jesus has the answers already written in the word. We don't have to be fearful. We don't have to wonder. We don't have to be confused because all things that are written in this Bible, it says all scripture was given by inspiration of God. And so when I look at any of these scriptures, I know that I am listening to the word of God directly from his mouth to my ears, to my mind and my heart to understand what his will is. And so Jesus answered and said unto them, take heed. That no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. So when you think about why people leave Christ, Jesus tells us why people leave him. He tells them right here in this scripture. And the first reason is that they are deceived. The first reason is that they have been persuaded another way. They have been confused. They have been convinced of something that is of not, not the truth. And he says, they will come and they will say, in my name, I am Christ. And they will deceive many. And so he says to take heed, to be careful that we don't fall into that trap. And we look around the world today and we see men who claim to be men of God. They claim to be preachers. They claim to be uh, holy men. They claim to be to have great wisdom and have all the answers. And yet when you really look at what they say and what they preach and what they teach and what they write, these are things that are not of God. These are things that are from the enemy himself. These are teachings and preachings that you can find in the New Testament that the Bible calls Antichrist. That they are of the spirit of Antichrist. They, are, they go against all the things that, that Jesus stood for and taught and preached. I read of a man this week up in New York who was a preacher and he was preaching to his congregation and he began to call them lazy and weak and slothful. And it wasn't because they were sinful. He said, it's because you haven't bought me the watch I asked you to buy me at Christmas. Some big expensive watch he had asked his congregation to buy for him. And he ranted and railed about why these people were so sorry and so worthless in his congregation. Because he didn't, he felt like he should have gotten this. That's a false prophet. That's a false teacher. That man is not preaching from the Bible. 
That man is not preaching like the Bibles. He's not following the, um, the, the dictates over there in Timothy when he talks about being a deacon and a bishop. He says that one of the first qualifications is that he be not greedy of filthy lucre. So we need to be careful and take heed that we be not deceived. And it's not just teaching and preaching, but it's anything that you can go out and find and ingest and read and listen to. You can come up with all kinds of new ideas and new, new philosophies and new self-help strategies. And, and they will turn you away from the doctrine of Christ. And so we need to be careful that we don't quit the walk of God because of deception. Then he says, and you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. Places, All these things are the beginning of sorrows. So the second reason Jesus gives is conflict. And my goodness, you can look at the headlines. You can turn the radio and television on. You can pull up the internet and you can see all of the conflict that is going on in the world today. Nation is still rising against nation. Kingdom is still warring against kingdom. And men of power are still grappling for power and killing people all in their vain ambition and glory. And yet Jesus told us in the 24th chapter of Matthew that these things will continue to happen. And what did he say? Don't be sorrowful. Don't be troubled at these things. They can be troubling to listen to. And if you ingest all of the news and all of the current events and all of the things that happen, you don't even have to look at current events. You can look at local news and you can see man killing man and woman killing woman and and abuse in the home and and conflict in the in the workplace and conflict in the government and conflict everywhere you look and it can be discouraging it can be troubling and some people have quit the gospel and quit the walk of God because of conflict well what what use is there in serving Christ when there's so much trouble why a God a loving God would not allow these things to take place and yet he said trouble don't be troubled don't be troubled there will be famines there will be pestilences we've experienced a pestilence in the last two years that's disease and 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 uh, uh, illness there's earthquakes going to be happening long after we're gone in various places. But he said, don't be troubled at these things. Verse nine, then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. If you come to serve Christ you become hated of the enemy. We are the object of Satan's hatred. And as long as you name the name of Christ and you depart from iniquity, you will always be the object of Satan's hatred. And those that serve him and those that work for him and those that do his bidding, you will be the object of their hatred as well. You will find in your workplace, you might even find in your home, you might find amongst your own family that those 
that serve Satan will turn out to try and undermine your testimony. They will try and trip you up. They will try and find fault with your testimony and with your example and with your walk. And they will try and trip you up so that they can say, aha, there's nothing to this salvation. That's what they want. That's what the devil wants. He wants to compromise your testimony and compromise your influence as a Christian, as a sanctified man or woman. And Jesus told him, it's going to happen for my namesake. It's not about you. It's not about your name. It's not about your glory or your failure. It's about causing harm to the name of Christ. That's what it's about. And when we name the name of Christ, these things will happen. These things will come among us. The devil will try and split this church up. The devil will try and split your marriage up. The devil will try and split your home up and your family up. And he will do whatever he can for the namesake of Christ to tear down the church that God is building. And many people will quit because of personal affliction. It's too much. I can't handle it. I can't do this anymore. Other things are too important. I can't lose these things. And so they quit. Verse 10. Got another reason. Fourth reason. And then shall many be offended. And shall betray one another. And shall hate one another. I think it's fair to say that some of the most easily offended people are in the church. Those who love Christ and say they love God and say they love the church and say they love God's people. When the least little thing happens that don't go their way. They get offended and many have quit because of offense. Many have gone away and turned aside and walked away from God because they were offended by something or someone that was not what they wanted or they liked or they were satisfied with. And you can do that. You can walk away because of offense. But I'm going to tell you something. I don't serve God because of you. And I don't stay with God because of you. I love you. I love all of you. I want to go to heaven with you. But I'm not here because of you. Paul was kicked out of every church he preached at. Every town he went to, they run him out on a rail. And what did he do? He picked right up and went somewhere else and preached the gospel. And I'm going to tell you something. You can run me out on a rail if you want to. But I'm going to go every step of the way. Because I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. I'm just going to go find me another group of sanctified people. And I'm going to worship God with them. But I'm going all the way. And you've got to have the same determination yourself. It's not about who we're with. It's about who we're serving. And we're serving Christ. And so many have been offended and they quit. He says, and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity... Shall abound. Iniquity means lawlessness. Just no respect for God or authority or rules or regulations or boundaries. That's really what he's talking about. The boundaries 
that are set in life. You cannot live a successful life without respecting boundaries. You have to. You got to respect personal boundaries. You got to respect boundaries in relationships. There are boundaries at work. You got to abide by the rules that they set at your job or you wouldn't have one for very long. When you're at school, you got to abide by the boundaries or you get in trouble and various things. There are boundaries in life. Things that we can't do, can't cross that line. And the Bible said, Jesus says, because iniquity will abound. This is what sin does. It causes men and women to go and cross the line. And not just cross the line, but they go so far beyond. They go and they go and they go and every new line that is drawn, they try and cross it. We have lines that were drawn in our society back years before I was even born and society crossed the line. And then they, 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 they just extended the line a little further and they said, well, that's okay, but, but not this. Well, they go about 10 or 20 years and, and everybody crosses this line. And then you say, well, this is okay. It's really not that bad. And they draw another line a little further out and further out and further out. And now we're here in the 21st century and our forefathers would be shocked at the lines that were drawn that were swiftly obliterated and crossed over because iniquity shall abound. And what happens when iniquity abounds? The love of many will wax cold. Oh, there were some, we, we talked about it in Sunday school this morning. There were some among us who came and got sanctified. And oh, they burned bright. Oh, they were so excited. They were so enthusiastic about the salvation that they had received from the Lord. And they were here every time the doors were open. And they were testifying and they were singing and praising God. And now have quit. And I wonder, what was the place at which they came that they decided to turn back? What was the reason? We, some we know, but most we don't. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? That's the question that Jesus is asking when he tells them and he warns them of all these things that will befall them. He says, he's warning them, you've got to treasure your soul more than anything else in life. And he says, the love of many shall wax cold, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. So, I'm going to tell you why I'm not going to quit. You better have reasons why you're not going to quit. It's not just a simple statement. I'm just not going to quit. That's fine when you first get sanctified. But you better have reasons as you go along. You got to have some anchors that you can take the devil to when he starts to challenge your walk and challenge your testimony and challenge everything that you know to be true and right and challenges the word itself. You've got to say, nope, 
I've got this reason right here why I'm not going to quit. And you just take him right to that reference in your, in your spiritual life. This is why I'm not going to quit. Well, so the first reason why I'm not going to quit is what happened to me was real. It was a real experience. When I knelt at an altar of prayer and I gave my life to the Lord, I know what he did for me. There's no doubt in my mind the deliverance that God made in my life. There's no doubt in my mind the witness of sanctification that came into my heart. I know that I know that I know that I know that Christ sanctified my heart and he saved me throughly and he gave me a home in heaven when I get to the end of the way. And so if your calling isn't sure, you might quit. And that's why he says in Peter, make your calling and election sure so that if you do all these things that the Bible tells us to do, you will never fall. You will not quit if your calling and election is sure. So you got to know, you got to know what your testimony is. You got to know that experience. And that for me is the first reason why I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. Well, the second reason I'm not going to quit is because I know what I was taught. I was taught the Bible as a young man by my parents, by my grandparents, by my Sunday school teachers, by the preachers that I listened to. I was taught the Bible. And there is a lot of strength in knowing what your Bible says. Many have quit because they didn't know their Bible. They did not understand what was going to happen. Because I know the Bible, I don't have any surprises. Jesus tells me right here what to expect. He said, people are going to hate you. So when I run across somebody who is fiercely opposite to my testimony... And they challenge my testimony and they can't stand for me to say that a man can live free from sin with the power of God. I'm not surprised because the Bible tells me to expect that when I go through life and tribulations happen to prove my salvation is real. I'm not surprised because the Bible told me to expect it and then gave me instruction on how to handle it. He said, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. So, the Bible removes the surprises. When you read the Bible, you get all the answers. I was one when I was a child. I don't do it anymore, but when I was a child, I would read a book. I did not like to be surprised. And I would go to the back of the book. And I'd read the last couple of chapters and find out if, if the hero made it out okay. And then I'd go back and read the rest of the book, comforted to know that I didn't have to be scared as I read the book that the hero wasn't going to make it. Because I'd read the back of the book. I didn't like to be surprised. I don't like it when I watch movies or I hear something on the radio. I don't like uncertainty in the stories. Well, you got all that you need right here. All things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything you need to know is written right here. And if you read it, 
You don't have to worry about it. And that's why, that's my second reason why I'm not going to quit. Well, the third reason is because of all that God has done for me. If I quit now, it would be ungrateful to walk away from God after all that he's done in my life. It would be ingratitude at its worst to turn away from God after all that he has done, all that he has put in, all the effort he has made, all the miracles he has wrought, all the blessings he has bestowed, all the, th- all the times he's opened those windows, Kelly. He just opened the windows and just chucked them out, just threw them out over and over over the course of my life. It would be ungrateful of me. To turn away from a God who has been so good. He's blessed me. He brought me out from a mighty long way, the song says. He delivered me. He sought me. He called me. He worked with me. He's tested me. And blessed me when I overcame. So I'm grateful. He's protected me. From things I saw and things I never knew about. He's protected me. And he gives me victory when I wake up in the morning. And he gives me peace when I lay my head at night. And so I'm grateful. And that's why I'm not going to quit. Well, the last one is the most important one. I'm not going to quit because I hadn't made it. I haven't made it. I've still got a ways to go before I get the reward. And if I want the reward, I can't quit. I can't turn aside when I'm so close. I don't know how long I got, but in the scale of eternity, it's not that long. I could live 120 years. I don't want to. Everybody I'd know be gone. But if I lived that long, it still would pale in the scale of eternity. It would be a blink in the eye of God. I haven't finished the work that he's given me to do. I'm not done. God has given me something to do for him and for his kingdom. And I've got to finish it before I go. And if I quit now, the work is left undone. But really, it's not left undone because Jesus said that if you don't speak for him, what did he say? The rocks would cry out. If no one, if everyone quit, if everyone turned aside, he said the rocks will cry out because they're his creation. And someone somewhere is going to stand up for God, even if it's nature itself. So we can't quit. We've got a work to do. I've got lots of things that I am in this life. I'm a child of God and a sanctified man, first of all. That's my first primary responsibility. I have to remain true to God. That's my first identity. I'm a husband, second. That's my second identity. I have to remain true to my vow. I have to remain true to the promise I made to her and to God. 
And I'm not done with that yet. That, that is still continuing. I'm a father. And when those children were born, I made a vow to God about them. That I would raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That I would be an example to them. That I would take them to church and be around God's people. And teach them to love His people. And teach them to love His doctrine. And teach them to love His way. And I'm not done with that. They haven't made it yet. I don't know which one of us will go first. But until any of us make it, the work is still going on. The work is still continuing. I'm not finished. I'm not finished. Paul said, none of these things move me. None of these things. Neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Then he says to them, and now I commend you to God. I recommend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Well, you can't receive the inheritance if you quit. You can't receive the inheritance if you quit. I read about a man who divorced his wife. And two days later, she won the biggest Powerball in the state. Millions of dollars she won. And he did not get to partake of that because he had quit. He quit. There's an old story. Y'all know I love history. There's, there was a, a miner in the 18... In 1848-49, there was a gold rush out in California. They struck gold, and hundreds of thousands of men and women crossed the United States to go in search of treasure and riches over there in California. They were mining right and left. And you can read, the stories are fascinating, of the struggles that these people went through to get just little, little flakes and bits of dust. Some of them struck it really rich. Most of them were just as poor and bad off as they started. They never really got a whole lot. There was this one man <clears throat> who was mining up in the Yukon. And he worked for years, scraping and clawing and banging that pickaxe and all this. And only ever got just a little bit of, of dust and nuggets and never much that mattered to anything. <clears throat> and this man came along as he was eating dinner one night. And he said, you know, you ain't really got anything. He said, I'm, I'm interested in buying some land. Let me just buy your land for it. And he named some price that was more than the miner had ever really gotten at this. And he sold it. Two years later, they struck gold on his property. And it was the biggest mine of gold in that whole area. He did. It wasn't worth finishing the work. And because of that, he lost out on however much wealth that he could have achieved. Many people are like that. They will walk away for not much reason. Like Esau, who gave up his birthright for just a bowl of soup. What will you give in exchange for your soul? They say every man has a price. I don't know. So far, the devil hadn't found mine. And I'm determined he's not going to. Because my price was bought on Calvary. 
My price was bought when Christ sacrificed his life and gave it for mine. That's my price. And that price has already been paid. I don't need his price anymore. Well, Jesus said, be faithful unto death and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the church. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. When we get to the end of the way, all that seems so important right now, and we've got a lot of things that burden us, don't we? That seem important, that seem like an emergency that has to be dealt with right now. We've got to go take care of it. But when we're facing eternity, those things quickly fade. The song says they dim and lose their value. They are worth nothing in comparison to us making it to a home in heaven. Folks, I want to make it. I want you to make it. And I can't make it if I quit while I'm on the way. And I don't want you to quit. I don't want you to be left behind. It says in the, in the Old Testament, the tribe of Dan was the rear guard. They didn't just look for the enemy behind them. But when anybody would fall by the wayside, the tribe of Dan would come along and pick them up and help them on the journey through the wilderness. Well, I want to be one of those people that helps pick up those who might be discouraged, who might be weak in their spirit, who might be weak in their emotions, in their mental health. Whatever the case might be, I want to help you make it. And I want you to help me make it. We need each other to make it to a home in heaven. And if you're calling an election is not sure this morning, you can make it sure. You can make it sure. Christ can give you a witness. He can give you a witness that is void of offense toward God and man. Let's all stand.